I am Filipino. I am Cebuana. I like to eat adobo. I have to admit that the United States has been very generous to me. I have to come up with another way of looking at love of country. So I'll take care of myself and my family and then to hell with everybody else. And that's not right. Medyo parang mafioso style. Love of country requires a deep understanding of our history and our culture. It's important for our children and young adults to read stories about us. We cannot always be reading stories about Western characters because it distorts our notion of who we are. Kasama natin ngayon sa Rappler Podcast ang novelist na si Cecilia Manguera Brainard. A lot of young people would be curious about how Filipinos who live abroad permanently think about love of country. Pwede daw ba yun? You are both Filipino and American. Well, it's a very profound question. Huh? So, from my own take, I think it is possible because I actually love both countries. Um, I am Filipino and I feel I'm Cebuana. So, and it's, it's very deep in me. But at the same time, I have to admit that the United States has been very generous to me. This is my adoptive country, and mm-hmm. they have been very kind to me. Mm-hmm. So I love both. I love both places. Your novel, When the Rainbow Goddess Wept, the early reviews was that it offers something unique because it's set in the Philippines, in Cebu, in, during World War II. But at the same time, it has a universal appeal because the main character is a young girl. From the point of view of the young girl, it's both your being Filipina and American and being global in one word. You know, actually, global is a really good word. We are now beset by climate change that is nakakatakot. cannot just say that this is happening in the Philippines. We are all members of this one small world, really. The bottom line of it is. And we have to take care of one, one another. What used to be your concept of love of country now that it's personal and then it evolved. Can you tell us about it? We take this question for granted. We love our country. You know, we, we say the Pledge of Allegiance. Well, that's easy. Love of country is love of self extended to love of family and love of community. I mean, love of self, love of family is not tantamount to love of country. Because if you're always just watching out for yourself or your family, that's not it. That's not how it works. Parang mafioso style yan, na parang, you know, so I'll take care of myself and my family and then to hell with everybody else. And that's not right. So we need another way of looking at love of country. And it was actually going more globally. So instead of going inward about myself and my, my surroundings, it's really more outward. I think this is why when we look through our history, the, the heroes we have who had sacrificed their lives, they were not just thinking of themselves. They were thinking of something greater. Love of country 
requires a deep understanding of our history and our culture. I think we really need to do that. And you've had interest in this because of your novels and the fiction you were writing during the early years or did it come naturally? Actually, it's baliktaran because the interest in history and culture came first. And then when the writing came, then I tapped into the history and the culture somewhat. At some point, we were talking a little bit about epic singers we used to have, or probably still have, ancient epic singers way up in the mountains, remote areas of the Philippines. Well, that's something that not a lot of people know. But when you know it, it gives you a deep appreciation and love for who we are. The more we know about our history and about us as a people, I think the deeper the appreciation and the deeper the love that we have. I think it's unfair when a Filipino family migrates to another country and you ask the kids to choose or decide, are you American or are you Filipino? I think one can be both. And you know, I'll tell you something. People categorize. So sometimes they refer to me as Asian American. And sometimes they refer to me as Filipino American. And sometimes they refer to me as Filipino. You know, I'm not going to fight about it. If it is easier for people to understand my work, if it's dabbed Asian American, American, that's fine. It doesn't change me. It doesn't make you love the Philippines less. No, diba? it doesn't. Because there, there's this misconception kasi, diba, that when you go abroad, live there. I remembered when we were kids and there were people who would go to the States and they're there for like one month and they come home and their English is so shao shao. So that's, that's another story. That's pretension. Love of country. It does involve love of self. But it's outward. I am not going to destroy the environment because ultimately it's going to hurt us. And I am going to respect boundaries. Maybe we should say writers are heroes in that way because you bridge cultures. You, I think so too. And I, it is an opportunity to bridge gaps. It is an opportunity to explain to others our culture. So it delights me that uh, When the Rainbow Goddess Wept, now published in the Philippines, is still in print in the United States for 28 years, is still used in classrooms for after 28 years. You know, it's important. So what does that mean? That means that American kids are learning about World War II, what happened to us, Filipino culture. They're learning about the myths in the Philippines. How wonderful it is to them and also to our own Filipino kids to maybe realize we have our own epic songs, just like Homer. I was so blown out when I discovered that our own epics, our own mythology included the river of the dead kind of like Homer's sticks. So it was empowering to know that there was a connection between our mythology and the ancient mythology of uh, Homer and so on. You said you are more relaxed now about choosing the, the topics for your stories. So it's a, it's a little bit of a circle for me yes. to realize because I was so conscious before I had to write something Filipino. And if the stories come, I welcome them because they do just sort of visit me. They come. They sort of inhabit my mind and they start talking in my head. I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. And, and, then, and then the stories evolve. And then I will just take it because it's a gift. Mm-hmm.
has anybody thought of translating this to Cebuano? This is an interesting concept that a lot of writers uh, discuss about using uh, our own language. Ang problema dyan is actually the reading Cebuanos read in English. Okay. You know what I mean? Where do you stand? Where do I stand? If you have the talent and ability to use Bisaya or Tagalog or Kapampangan, whatever it is, and it is the language that expresses your thoughts and feelings, the best, then go for it. For me, it's a little bit embarrassing to say, but I am more literate with the English language. My Cebuano is really quite poor. Language is important. But when you're telling a story, there are things like character and character development and conflict. So to me, the language is a tool. And if it's a tool you're very good at, go. Several years ago, you edited a collection of stories for young adults, for young correct, Filipinas. Correct. Was this because, as you observed for a time, the young people, the films there in your community were going through an identity crisis? Well, actually, it was in both sides of the Pacific. So this was something that my publisher and I explored, and I embraced the project. And the idea of collecting stories which the title was Growing Up Filipino, Stories for Young Adults, was to give the kids a sense of identity, you know, because their lolas are telling them to eat adobo. Film kids, they find it really hilarious because they have the same lolas there as the lolas here. And um, so it makes them, I think it gave them a sense of pride before it was an ahiya. And then suddenly they, they could see that, well, this was happening to other kids as well. And it was part of the culture. So they embraced this. They, they really welcomed the stories, I felt. And the teachers did, too. It got excellent reviews by, quote-unquote, mainstream pub critics. The teachers liked the, the collection because it, it was speaking not just to Filipino-Americans, but to other migrant children. Exactly. And that's why they used them in classrooms, because obviously in the United States, they're not all Filipino-American kids, the stories were actually quite delightful. And so this was something that the young adults of various backgrounds could appreciate and make them realize that could be a Mexican-American kid or an Iranian-American kid, it's the same thing pala. They have parents, they have grandparents who nag them. But I'm curious when you said even the Filipino kids here in the Philippines were going through identity crisis as well? I'm not so sure if it was an identity crisis, more than the fact that they did not have a lot of reading material at that time. It's important for our children and young adults to read stories about us. We cannot always be reading stories about Western characters because it distorts our notion of who we are. So thank you for thank you so being much, with Gigi. us, Miss Cecilia Manguera Brainard. I appreciate this very much. This is Miriam Grace Go, news editor here in Rappler. Listen to other Rappler podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Thank you.